It is. So I've been in a, in a series uh, talking about the book of Romans, teaching through the book of Romans, not necessarily verse by verse. We've been going, uh, summarizing a few of the chapters previous to chapter 8. But chapter 8 of Romans uh, is uh, one of the most important central, in fact, a lot consider it the central and most important chapter in the Bible. Uh, because it gives us such a, a picture of what Jesus did through the cross and what we have as believers. He, he gives us a whole lot of information and value in just these uh, few verses here from uh, 1 to 37 or 38, however many's in there, I believe 39 actually. But, uh, you know, we're going to get through part of it today and, and a little bit more of it today, and I'm not going to hurry this part of it because uh, I do believe, as I said, I've said last week, it is one of the key chapters overall. You know, one of the things that it does is it, it begins, uh, begins with there is therefore now no condemnation, and it ends with there is no separation. Uh, when, you, when you get to, through uh, this chapter, you have gained an understanding, will have uh, gained an understanding of a lot of what we've, what, what's provided in the new birth and what Jesus did for us. You know, <clears throat> uh, let's read, uh, just to, for remembrance, let's just read uh, verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. He says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just that verse alone, when, when we take the value of that and, and grab hold of it, I remember uh, as, a, as a new believer, maybe, well, I was born again as a, as a kid, as a child in church, but, but as I, I, I ran from God for a couple of years in high school, and, and as I was coming back to the Lord, you know, it was, a, it was a fairly slow process. It wasn't something immediate that I just, uh, you know, transitioned out of the world that I was living in. It, was a, it took some time. But you know what? I, I continued to pursue God. But what I remembered was there was this constant uh, overshadowing of my imperfections and the reminder of all the things that I would do wrong on a daily basis. I, I, I had grown up in church, grown up under the Word of God. I knew a lot of things. The thing was, I never questioned whether or not God was real. I never did because I saw God provide for my family. I saw God heal people. I saw people delivered. I saw God do amazing things as a child in, in church. I saw, I saw God uh, heal people that uh, were, were unable to be healed. I saw God raise people up that, that never should have come out of. I saw a woman one time manifest a demon in, in one of the church services that we were in, and, and God delivered her. She fell on the floor foaming at the mouth and came up out of there free and, and just like uh, sounded like Mary Magdalene. I mean, it was that, that wild of stuff. You say, man... You know, what kind of church did you go to? Well, I, I, that's a long part of the story uh, of how we, we got there. But here's the thing. We were not pursuing that. We didn't look for that. But we endeavored to see God move in whatever ways deemed necessary at the moment. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable to think about something like that, uh, don't be uncomfortable. We're not going to preach a whole lot of that. But here's the thing I've seen is I want God to show up in your life to set you free of whatever it is. In her case, it was demon possession. She needed to be free. But Jesus met the man coming off the, when he got out of the boat. Uh, remember, the, there was a, there were, or if, you, if you've read this, maybe you've not, but there was a man that, that came out of the tombs that had a legion of demons, and he ran to Jesus, and Jesus set him free. Now, see, whatever it is that we have against us or, or coming against our life, Jesus came to set us free. 
Now, here's the thing that we, we have to have a value in and, and, or an understanding of is the enemy is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. I mean, Satan's real. That There is a, a devil, but he's been defeated by, by Jesus. And that's not something that we want to just completely pass over. I, I think emphasizing and understanding spiritual things is vitally important. We need to, we need to catch that. Uh, Jared was shared on his Facebook post uh, uh, about how the Holy Spirit had led him to check on this cow, and and there was somebody in the comments said, you know, I've been studying on the on the Holy Spirit, and uh, said we don't talk enough about it, or we don't hear enough about that, and I wanted to write, you need to listen to my church <laughs> or, or listen to my services. I talk about this stuff. Now, what I do try to do is keep it keep it balanced and keep it reasonable and keep it understandable. Because listen, and, but, but we serve a spiritual God, a God who is spirit. He created us in His image. And if we understand that we have a spirit, where we are a spirit, I should say, we have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. See, it's our flesh and, and it's our soulish nature that we struggle with. It's not spiritual things. Once we've made Jesus Lord, our spirit man is born again. And that's, that's so much of what the first parts of Romans talks about. He talks about how we were slaves to sin, we, we, but because of Adam's fall, we were always going to be geared towards, headed towards uh, the sinful life, sinful nature. It was always going to rise up, and it still will after we're saved. I, I mean, I don't have to get an amen, but most of you can say, yeah, I still fight a few things. There's still some things that come against me. But here's the thing. He's given us the ability in the new birth to be born again and to actually house or, or be the temple of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can come to live and dwell on the inside of us. Now, He won't take control of us in the sense of just com uh, overthrowing us. I, I remember people talking about they didn't want to get, they didn't want, you know, they didn't want to get too close to that spirit stuff because, you know, after all, you know, the Holy Spirit might just take me over and make me do something I don't want to do or make, embarrass me. Well, he's not, he's not going to embarrass you. He's going to empower you to live the life that Jesus came to, to provide for us. And what I try to teach the Bible, the way I try to teach the Bible, is so that you understand and know that God is going with you in everything that you do. If you're in sales, if you're in cattle, if you're in whatever, whatever being a parent, being in, in retirement, going through uh, situations where your health is, is under concern and you're having to make or gather information and make decisions, you have the Spirit of God in you to enable you to, to have success in those things. And He wants to guide and direct you. I, I love that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. That was written by a, a praise and worship leader, pastor, and it was his prayer, and it, it, it ended up becoming a song. But he said, Lord, just open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to know you. Now listen, if, if we get to that point that we finally just say, okay, God, I'm through with everything else. I, I'm going I'm to give up <laughs> and give in to you. I give you my life and, my, and, and I'm going to pursue you. You know, that seems scary, and the devil will try to tell you, oh, he, man, he's going to take away all your fun. He, he's going to make your life miserable. You're going to have to be all these. Now, yeah, there's challenges. There's suffering. There's times of, uh, but I'm pretty sure when I was living in the world, all right, living without God or, or keeping God at arm's length, going my own way, many of you have lived, most of you have probably not lived your entire life walking with God. You have an example of that life without God. How good was it? 
I mean, you don't have to go in and tell me, but I, I can guarantee you I had a lot of fun, but I had a lot of misery, and I had a lot of fear, and I had a lot of insecurities, and I had a lot of stuff. And I was, by His grace, prevented from a lot of stuff that could have happened as a result of living that life. But I can tell you this, the comparison is there's none. There is none. Because in the, in the walking with God time, I can guarantee you He's right there with us. He's right there for us. But see, the devil would love to drag us back into the, the condemnation of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He wants to hold us in that condemnation. And see, that word means God's banishing judgment. It's the thing that judgment that keeps you from being able to come boldly to God. See, sin will separate us from God. That was the, that was the big problem the whole first seven chapters are talking about. But Jesus came and He provided our entrance. He removed the burden of sin or the problem of sin and He replaced it with His gift of His sacrifice which gave us entrance. Now we've said that every week for so many weeks. But that has to be drilled in our head so that we absolutely know that we, that's ours. And therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then all I have to ask myself is, am I in Christ Jesus? See, the qualification is, again, not what we can do, not what we can earn. You need to be good. You need to desire to do good. We ought to, we ought to hate sin and, and begin to change. But our earning it is not going to get us there. It's our receiving of the free gift of salvation. Now listen, for us who were raised maybe in a, in a performance mindset, and you who are achievers and, and you, 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 you get rewarded because you do good, that's the way this world's set up. We struggle maybe with that. It doesn't seem fair that He'd just give it to us. But that's how good God is. He loves us that much. He gives it to us. Now, then He puts, he puts requirements, He puts commands in there, and He doesn't even leave us alone to do it. He says to begin to change, to be transformed, you've got to, you've got to renew your mind. You've got to change the way you walk. You've got to change the way you talk. You've got to change some things. You've got to choose to do things God's way. But He doesn't leave us alone to do that. He gives us the power to do it. And it's through walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And so that's what we began to talk about last week. We talked about the, the, the great transition from chapter 7 into, into chapter 8. In, in chapter 7, the end of that verse, he, he said, man, I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. The right thing I try to do, but the wrong thing I do. And he just says it back and forth so many different times. And he left it at verse, let's read chapter 7, verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? And then he says, oh yeah, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is our hope. See, we have to be willing to reject all that the, our, the condemnation that speaks to us, that holds us into a place that we're not good enough or we can't do this. Man, I remember those times. And I remember them trying to come back and trying to come back. And they could still come back if I let them. 
but I've settled in my mind that I am, there is therefore now no condemnation. So if I feel condemned or I don't feel good enough and I feel judged, I have to ask myself, where does that come from? If God didn't give it, who does? It comes from the enemy. And if the enemy's sending me, a, me something, I don't want it, I reject that, right? So we make that choice to take God at His word. That's what faith does. Now, I want us to look, I, I began this teaching last week and, and I got through down to, uh, into these verses, into that verse 4. But we were talking about how to live in this new way in the Spirit. How to walk in the Spirit, or live in the Spirit. Um, we need to understand that this chapter is considered by many as the single greatest chapter for, from all the Bible. It begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. In between, we see a new life in Christ Jesus and how it allows for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. The Spirit works in us to free us, to empower us, to transform and assure us. This is how we become complete in Him. You know, we don't just stop at salvation. And salvation is good. Salvation is awesome. If that's all we got, that'd be, that'd be great. But see, salvation is... Eternal salvation is for after death. But Jesus didn't leave us alone now in this life. He wants to be at work in us now to give us that better life. And so verse, uh, verses 1 through 4, he talks about that. He says in verse 2, he says, uh, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did, in the, in, did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be an offering, a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be full, fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So He just demonstrated a change in how we're going to live. We're not going to live led by our flesh anymore. We're going to begin to be led by our spirit, the spirit of God in us, but, but through our spirit, which will always align with the Holy Spirit. See, my flesh and my mind are going to buck that sometimes. They're, they're going to resist that sometimes. They're not, they're not going to always flow with God. But my spirit, man, is, is always going to be in tune with God. Why? Because He is the part that is, was recreated brand new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That means never existed before. That's what being born again means. That's changed. The rest of me has got to be sanctified over time. The rest of us has to be changed through time. That's why you begin this walk and, and, and you pray that prayer and you accept Jesus as your Lord. And you'll, you'll sense almost without question, you'll, you'll sense a change. You'll know something happened. I had somebody tell me, and I don't, I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, I, somebody told me that during the sunrise service last year, I think they, were, they weren't even there, they were watching online, they heard my daughter singing a song, which I'm trying to get her uh, to sing with me again. And, and, and everybody said, Amen. Right? Yes, okay. Try to get her to sing with me again. And, and, uh, or sing so I can play, and so I don't have to sing. But, uh, but there was a change in her life. She heard, she realized, she had a sense and a knowing of how much God loved her, and all of a sudden something happened. See, we may have that moment, but then there will be after that a challenge to that. And, and this is what we begin to, to walk in. We begin to walk in the freedom, uh, being free from the limitation of condemnation. Now, 
th that was the thing we talked about last week. Now, I want to get into this for this week. The second thing that we need to do that helps us walk in the Spirit, this new way in the Spirit, is we got to get a new mindset. we got to begin to, to be transformed in our mind. We've got to see things different. Look at verse 5. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. See, he contra contrasts those two, and he, and he challenges us, and maybe you never even thought about being led by the Spirit or walking according to the Spirit of God before. But what he's saying is, he's saying this doesn't determine your salvation, but it will determine how you're able to interact with God and receive His blessing and follow His leadership. It's how He begins to get involved in our everyday life. Sure, He'll lead us away from sin. Sure, He'll lead us into a better life. But He'll also help us in the things that we do. You know, he'll, he'll show you the things that you can do to make your relationships better. He'll show you how to handle that kid that's being rebellious. He'll, he'll show you, he'll even show you when they're trying to sneak around and do something they shouldn't do. And you know what? Here's the thing. We can, he, he, will, he will help to, to reveal what's going on behind the scenes. Have you ever have you ever begun in a in a had a had a conversation with being having a conversation some, with somebody and they just tell you all the things you want to hear, they say everything just right, but you just kind of go hmm, not real sure that's exactly what's going on behind those eyes, not not really sure what that intent is. That they say the right things, but are they really doing the right things? Do they really mean it? See, because we can say things all day long and not mean them in our heart. You know, uh, God, by the help of the Holy Spirit, can, can, can do all of those things. But now, Paul here is describing two different types of people. He's talking about the saved person and the, and the non-Christian person. He's talking about those who, who are... are um, he's not talking about, though, those who are tempted to live by the flesh. See... Uh, he, he, no, he's, he's talking about the heart of a, a person. See, whenever we uh, think about uh, walking in the Spirit, we're going to, again, fall at times. We're going to come short of doing this completely. We can make a choice to do it, but, but here's the thing. Most never even make the choice they're going to do it. They just come to church on, on, on Sunday, and I don't think this is many of you, but, but there are people that just come to church on Sunday morning. They're really not interested in tuning in. They're really not interested in God speaking in their lives. They're not really in, in, interested in hearing the Word from an application standpoint. They just want to hear something to make them feel good so they can go out through their day and feel like they're okay with God. But it, when we choose to step into this, this other realm that allows us to be led by the Spirit of God, He's going to lead us into a place that's beyond what we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So much better of a life. Being born again will make you alive to God with a new attitude, new orientation, new pattern of thought. You will shift from death to life, darkness to light. And instead of running from God, you'll run to God. 
When, when, we, when we make this decision to, to walk this way, all of a sudden we begin to be hungry and thirsty for God. We begin to desire to spend time with God, to grow in our knowledge of God and who He is. You know, I tell you what, uh, God always will satisfy whenever we just choose to do that. But He gives us an insight into what, how we do that. We've got, to, we've got to shift our thinking. Now, if you've got your uh, ribbon or, or a place to hold or take your bulletin and stick it in there, and we're going to come back to Romans chapter 8. But let's look at Romans chapter 12. A lot of you will be familiar with this. But this pictures, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but this pictures what takes place when we change our mindset. You know, if, if you were in any kind of competitive uh, sport or competitive thing, uh, you had to have a mindset you were going to win. If you went in expecting to lose... I remember one of my one of my Cassidy, our our, our daughter, middle daughter, that's got the uh, got our first grand but the grandson. I remember uh, I was coaching them in, in softball in junior high, and uh, I was uh, she was really fast, and so if she could ever get on on, she could you know steal and and get around or, or any pass ball or anything. So I mean she was she was good base runner and, and really fast and and all that and loved to score, but she hated to bat, and so she's up there and you know and I'm I'm saying I'm saying you know. What's the ball? You know, all the coaching you can do. And, and I asked her one time, I said, and, and I also at the same time was coaching my son, who was a very dedicated, committed baseball player, you know, a couple years younger than her, than her. And one summer I was coaching both of their teams. And then our oldest daughter was still playing uh, travel basketball. So we were, we were, you know, scattered. Now, I will tell you, going back, I do not encourage everybody does that, okay? I'm just telling some of you, you know, you, I'm, I'm not encouraging you to do that. But anyway... <clears throat> I asked her one time, I said, so what are you thinking when you're at the plate? Because I was trying to get through these kids' head. You know, it's hit, 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 and then you can always take the off, you know. You, you can change, but if you're not ready, she goes, I'm thinking, be a ball, be a ball. <laughs> not, not be the ball. She was hoping it was a ball so she could walk. She wanted four of them. <laughs> And no harder than they threw if she could lean in and get hit by it and she'd get on base. That's all she wanted to do is get on base. But she just knew that she wasn't very good at hitting. I just cracked up about that. I said, you can't go in. That's like going in with the attitude of, boy, you know, I, I, just, I hope I don't lose. you got to go in with the attitude that I'm, 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 I'm good enough to win. I remember a few times whenever I was whenever I was competing in high school at team roping, and, and I remember we'd, we'd rope against you know Rick Branch and Shannon Frost, and Shannon Frost ended up in the national finals. I mean, those guys were really, really good. There was two or three teams. If they were there, it was pretty much you're playing for second or third. You know, it, it's hard to beat them. And, and, uh, but, you know, you had to have a mindset that you were able to, to, to do what you needed to do, and that's where we are at God. You need to first of all understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that He's forgiven you. He's made you qualified. You're not qualified on your own. I don't care how good you are. But you didn't, don't have to rely on yours. You rely on His. You've got to have a new mindset. Here in, here in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and, and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This is a reasonable service, the New King James says. It's reasonable for us when considering what Jesus did. But see, a lot of times we want to have a mindset that says, oh, well, I wouldn't want to give God all my life. 
I mean, I mean, he might send me to uh, overseas on a mission field. He, he might call me to be a pastor. Well, trust me, if you're called to do it, it will be the best place you'll ever be. And if you're not called to, be, to do it, you don't want to be there. But I can, I can guarantee you that when we surrender with that kind of a mindset, God will begin to, to shape and mold our desires, our plans, our, all the things in our life to where we're in that good place. I can guarantee you uh, my plans that I had changed when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But I can absolutely look back, and I believe my wife would say the same thing. We look back, and those, those choices were the best choices. When we did this, we, were, we, we chose to change our mindset from, I need to be in control, to God, I give it all to you. That's a good exchange. See, because that's what a mindset is. That's what, that's what happens with our mind, in, or, or this is what this mindset process, changing our mindset is, is there's an exchange. If we see it that way, so a me-first mentality is changed by what? The two commandments that Jesus said fulfilled all the law. What was it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Put God first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He said that would take care of all of it. If we can put that first, then, then it covers all the rest of it. And, and, but see, here's the thing. We want to hold on to things. We want to, just get, we want to get just enough to go into heaven. And now this is a challenging message. Some of you might be uncomfortable. Just try to smile, look straight ahead, and you know, just don't act like, like it's, you know, what, you know what they say about the, 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 when you throw a, an old shoe in, in a pack of dogs? The one that yelps is the one that got hit. So try not to yelp. Try not to wave any other. Try not, no, I'm just teasing you a little bit. But this gets, on us, this gets on us sometimes because we have our plans, our goals, our dreams. But here's the thing. When we trust God, when we love God, when we're willing to say, okay, God, I'll do things your way. Here's, the th here, here's what I, I, can I can encourage you with. God's probably not going to change most of your careers and most of your lives. In, in, in extreme fashions. He'll change your life, but not in extreme fashion. Some of you may not do anything entirely different, but all of a sudden you begin to walk through life with a, with a whole different, uh, with a whole different in, in ability and a whole different level of success because you shifted that mindset. Holy and pleasing to God. See, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. What's that look like? I just say, okay, God, I want your, your kingdom come, your will be done. If it's this path... That's what I want. If it's this path, that's what I want. I, I, I'm not going to limit you. I'm going to say, okay, God, I'll go with you. Now, now that we're past that scary verse, verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I wrote extra in my Bible. I said, when you experience the transforming result of a renewed mind, it's because you did verse 1 first. You know, when we do verse 1, we'll get verse 2. But listen, he says, don't be patterned after this world, but be transformed. That word transformed is, is metamorphosis, where we get the word metamorphosis, and it is, it is a change over time. I always tell people, I love it. We, we want everything instant. We want to we come forward, get prayed for, or we want to pray and lay hands on, or we want to we make one declaration and spend, or spend one week and just everything be good. But the things that we grow over time are the things that stay and may, are maintained consistently. 
He says, don't be patterned after this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, this is one of the greatest areas that we struggle in. Again, our spirit man is always in agreement with God, but where do we wrestle with, with problems, with sin, with limiting God, with, with getting into pride or jealousy? All the areas that we falter in start in our mind. You could say if you could control your mind, you can control your life. If you can keep your head on straight, if you can keep it in, in the right direction, if you can keep it submitted to God, if you can get, keep it in line with God so that it's leading you to good, good things, you're always going to be uh, in that right, in that better place. Where, where does the entrance of, of jealousy come? Where, where does envy come? Where does pride come? Where are all those things, all those little thoughts in our mind? And if we, but if we can renew our mind to the Word of God, He'll guard our mind. He'll protect our mind. He talks about it all the way through the Bible. It's an amazing thing. So we got to get a new mindset if we're going to live free from and walk in the Spirit like we need to. So let's go back to Romans chapter 8 because that is a complete teaching in and of itself. Uh, and so uh, about the renewing of the mind. But it is a big part of what we're talking about and just how to walk with the Spirit. Third thing I want to, I want to talk to you about is, is in verses 9 through 11 here in Romans chapter 8, and it's to live inside out. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit's presence. Verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they are they do not belong to Christ. So he makes it clear that if we've made Jesus Lord, we have the Spirit of God in us. I wrote down several different scriptures that, that support that. Uh, you can hold your place there and look at Ephesians 20, uh, or I tell you what, just put it up, Ephesians 2, 22. Just put that up there on the, on the screen and I won't turn to it and we won't get distracted. We'll keep moving here. Okay. Well, I'm pretty speedy sometimes. <laughs> Definitely shifty. I, I skipped Matthew 7, 7. You were there. for Yeah, I did. I skipped one. But see, here's the thing. The Spirit of God is at work in us. He says, and in, in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. So the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, can you go to that second one? That one in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Another scripture that I refer to quite often, talking about us being the temples of the Holy Spirit. You see, he, he's made it clear that if, the, if we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you or in your midst? You're, the, the, the Spirit of God lives and dwells in us. And so we want to be conscious of that. This is the thing that I think that, uh, I've told many stories of, of how the, all of a sudden I had a thought or, or God directed me to do something. Sometimes you don't realize until after you missed it and didn't listen that that was the Spirit of God. But God will guide and direct you in a lot of different ways and a lot of things. He'll lead you in the, in the way that you should go. I wish it was always easy and I was never wrong. I wish I could say I always heard God's voice and obeyed. There's been times when I haven't. And sometimes that's when, when it's confirmed. It's like he said do something, you didn't do it, and then, you know, all it, it, went, it went bad. Sometimes you go, oh, yeah, 
God was trying to show me that. You see, we don't have to make this, uh, I always caution people, don't, don't, you don't have to get weird with this. You don't have to get overboard with this. Uh, I tell the story of the lady that, you know, she said, she came into my office when I was full-time ministry over in, over in Arkansas. She said, uh, you know, I, I, need a, I, need a, I need you to pray for me for a job. She said, I lost my job. I said, okay, great, we'll pray. Why'd you lose your job? She said, well, I could never get there on time. So well, that's a problem, you know. One of the things I've tried to raise my kids and teach people to do is, you know, be on time. You know, you wonder, you know, if you're never, if you're never on time, you're probably not going to keep your job, right? I said, why are you always late? I thought, you know, maybe we need to buy you an alarm clock, maybe get two or three alarm clocks, you know, if you can't wake up, whatever it is. She says, I, I, I can't pick out my clothes fast enough. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this is getting bad to worse. Lord Jesus, I can't come over every morning and help you with that. I said, well, lay them out the night before. She said, well, it's not that. It's that, it's that I always pray and ask the Lord to show me what to wear, and sometimes I'm waiting on Him to, to tell me. Now, that's goofiness, all right? I'm just going to tell you. I, I, I love the lady. I don't even remember who she was, but I mean, I mean, this is no criticism, but we don't have to be that goofy. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit will do for you, for you sometimes is He will tell you, hey, grab your good clothes. If, you're, if, you're, if you work where you're dirty, He may say, hey, grab your good. Or if I'm dressed like this and I'm going to check cattle, sometimes the Holy Spirit or the, the Lord will say, grab your old boots or, or put... Put something in there so you don't, you know, I don't want to be, these ain't barnyard boots, man. These, these aren't muddy boots. I ain't going in the pens to, 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 you know, I ain't going to jump out and go pull a calf in these boots. I might have to pull them off and, you know, I, I, they, they don't do that. I want the other stuff. There's times when he may instruct you on something as simple, just out of good, you know, throw in an extra coat or do, I don't know, whatever. But here's the thing. We don't have to get goofy with this, but we ought to all train ourselves to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct us. You know what? He'll, he'll teach you ahead of time to save a little money or adjust. He, he knows what's fixing to come up. He can guide and direct you. But we've got to be willing to, to listen to Him. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So let's go back to Romans chapter 8. And, and I want you to see this, having an inside a God inside consciousness, just being conscious of the Holy Spirit lives in me and He will affect us in our, in our thoughts. He'll begin to, when we're living by the Spirit, we're walking by the Spirit, He'll begin to give you insight. He'll, he'll remind you that, that uh, the disciples were told, the Holy Spirit will remind you of things I've said and things that, that, that need to be brought out of your, out of your thinking. If you're in a, in a type of career or type of business where you need to recall things from your past or, or maybe you need to recall something that, that was in some book somewhere or something that you learned, you can pray and ask the Lord to do that or sometimes He'll just do it because we develop that knowing you'll just have that answer. Well, here's the thing. when we, we, we have that happen all the time, but whenever we become conscious of God inside, you'll start to give God credit for that. Now, I'm not saying that you ought to walk around all the time, well, God told me this and God told me that. And, you know, if you're not careful, that people will start to look at you funny. But you in your mind, you can, you know, sometimes people say, boy, aren't you smart? Man, you are amazing. Wow, look what you did. And you can just say, thank you. But God always helps me. God's blessed me. I usually say something like, well, even a blind hog finds an acorn once in a while, you know. <laughs> but I always give God glory. Give God praise. You don't have to do it in a weird way. You don't have to do it in a way that, that makes people uncomfortable, but you can sure enough remember. See, when we get conscious, 
then pretty soon we develop a lifestyle that we expect God to speak. All of a sudden, God will begin to speak more. He'll begin to lead and guide us. Now, here's the thing that we got to do, is we always have to confirm anything that we hear according to the Word of God. Anything the Spirit's leading us in, it's not going to go con contrary to the Word of God. Anybody that starts to say, well, I got these revelations that are outside of the Word of God. I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need the Word. That you can just keep them and just, just quit listening to them and move on down the road. But what God will do is He'll confirm things. There's times whenever I ask God if it's something, uh, depending on what it is, I would say, God, show me in your Word. Because here's the thing. If you ever tried to hear God's voice, it's difficult to do as a new believer or, or, or somebody who's not developed that skill, but it comes from hearing the Word first. Here, sitting in these, sermons, in these services and Holy Spirit speaking to you, God's speaking to you as I'm teaching. That's the, that's the voice of God. When you're reading the Scripture and all of a sudden you begin to see, God, that's speak, you're speaking to me. It begins to come off the page. It begins to, but it'll feed from our spirit into our mind and, and we'll have these thoughts. That's also the place, again, that the devil works. And so you can also sort through those voices or those things you hear by the Word of God. God's not going to lead you against, or God's not going to lead you against His Word. The devil will try to twist and warp and, and take you in a place you shouldn't go. All right, so um, uh, there, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 because uh, uh, my, my computer guy's been kind of slow today. I'm going to go over here and... Uh, <clears throat> okay, all right. <laughs> if I stay in order, <laughs> Mr. Engineer, he's got to have everything right in order, by golly. <laughs> Notice he says in verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine, which, is, which leads to debauchery. So he says, don't take what the world does and, and, and go way off over here. But he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now I want you to see this verse. And being filled with the Spirit, that understanding is a daily thing. Be filled with the Spirit daily. We need to, we need to be prepared to, to be filled with the Spirit of God and, and ask God, renew that, fill me again. Now, we've got to wrap this up, so let's get over to, back over to Romans chapter 8. And I want you to see uh, in, in, uh, in verse... Uh, Let's go to verse 12. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not of the flesh to live according to it. So we're not obligated to live by the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who you received did not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, as I wrap this up today, I want to wrap up, two, or I want to bring out two points. First of all, the fourth thing of living by the Spirit is that we live with a new obligation. All of a sudden, we begin to understand that, that we put our faith in God, and we're, it's an obligation for us that says, God, you did something so amazing for me. Now I give you my life, and now I'm going to begin to walk by the Spirit so that I don't, I don't falter because of my flesh, and I can, and I can be effective for you. You know, one of the, one of the things that uh, 
that uh, John uh, 14 through 16 through 17 talks about is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us coming that Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comfort of that helper. We've talked about it before. But you know, um, Jesus was talking about that after the new birth in those scriptures, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and live and dwell in you. This new walk, this new way of living is, is, uh, becomes our pursuit and our obligation. We begin to be obligated to live according to God and, and follow His plans, His purposes. And what that does is it introduces or, or provides us the way that we can walk out our new identity, and that's the fifth thing to live in the Spirit and walk according to the Spirit, is that we, we, we have an, a new identity. You notice there's something here that he, he uses in this verse uh, uh, 14 or 15. The Spirit you have received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought, him, brought about your adoption to sonship, that we may cry, Abba, Father. You know, that was, a, that was an endearing term, Abba, Father, an endearing term for the Jewish people, and it meant like something that we would say like, Dearest Daddy. It, it was a personal thing. It was not Father God. It was, not, it was, it was different. It was like you would, a relationship that you would have with, with a, a close relationship with a father. But notice it says you're adopted to sonship. Now, adopted is something it means to have the place of a son. The incredible thing about us being adopted into uh, as a child of God is that they, they, were, they absolutely understood that what was provided for them in, or, or what was provided through adoption was everything that a son was qualified for and everything that a son received, the adopted son received the same thing. Being born a Jew didn't matter when we made Jesus Lord. We now are adopted in. We're brought in in the same standing. See, the Spirit of God testifies that we are, that we are the, the children of the King. You know, as I, as I wrap this up and as I close, um, this is a lot like the Exodus story. Freed from slavery, brought into to new relationship and an identity as a child of God. You, we are led now by the Holy Spirit just like they were led by the pillar of fire and a, and a cloud by day. They were led by, the, by, by God's presence. We can be led by the Spirit of God in us. Today, uh, there's a lot said about identity but our identity is clear. It's clearly given here. Who am I? I am an adopted child of God. If you do not get your identity right, you'll not get your community right, and you will not get your purpose right. Simplify this in your mind. As a Christian, my identity is not in my performance, my popularity, or my pedigree. It's simply that I'm a child of God. You know, if you ever question that, if you ever, if you ever wonder or you want to build your faith for that, read Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14. It talks about us being chosen, being predestined, and being, being adopted, and being uh, uh, sanctified, and all of these things that are provided because we receive Jesus as our Lord. Let's stand and, and let's just prepare our our hearts to receive this word and, and maintain it. I pray that you begin to desire to walk in the Spirit. 
be led of the Spirit. I might say this, you know, walking in the Spirit doesn't mean you hover two feet above the ground. It doesn't mean something weird or unusual. It just means that you've got a the source of all knowledge and all wisdom at your disposal. He's empowered us to get done everything He's called us to do. So every time you feel less than enough, you can turn to God. You can rely on the Holy Spirit in you. So I just pray that you receive that today. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you. Lord, we just thank you and praise you that, that our identity is in you, that the blessing of God is, is ours. I thank you, Lord, that we can walk in the, in the blessing that you've provided because of what Jesus has done. Lord, help us to, to desire to step into this, this walk of the Spirit. We wouldn't be led by our flesh, but we'd be, we'd be guided by the Spirit of God. And Lord, within that, we'd also be empowered to fulfill all of your plans and purposes in our lives. Lord, help us to understand with the help of the wisdom of God what, you, what you're teaching and what you're saying. Lord, I pray that we'd, we'd continually grow in the things of God. And Lord, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who has not made Jesus Christ Lord, there's a simple thing that's done. And that is confess Him as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to meet with me or talk to me, we'll, we'll get together and we'll pray. And you can receive Jesus as your Lord and then you can be encouraged in walking that out. So if you're online or if you're right here, get in contact with me. We pray that you would do that. And Lord God, we ask your blessing upon everyone here in G, uh, throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.